We continue with the theme that we've been following over the last couple of weeks, uh, slowing, being quiet, the Sabbath, with a talk on meditation, which I've called Say No to Pink Elephants, a very practical guide to meditation. Now, I better explain what I'm doing. Why is meditation important? Well, we are not going to focus on this, but there is a malignant force in the world that wants to break down, to tear down, to overthrow, to break whatever is positive and good in the world. And that malignant force wants to fill your minds and your hearts and your lives with pink elephants. Well, why pink elephants? Well, if I say pink elephants, all that you can think of in your head at the moment is a pink elephant. If I say stop thinking about pink elephants, you still got pink elephants in your head. And that's the point. We can't unthink. We can't unsee the stuff that we think. And meditation is the way in which we fill our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our very being with that which is good. And we say no to pink elephants. But it's a discipline. It takes time. It's a process, a practice, which we have to get to grips with. And that's why I say this is a very practical guide to meditation. So here we start. Meditation is simple. And there are three steps. And the three steps are stop, breathe, and be. I'll come to all of those now. I'm not going to spend much time on the stopping part because over the last few weeks in talking about slowing, about quietness and aloneness, about Sabbath, a couple of weeks that we've spoken about that, there's enough that's been said about stopping. So I won't talk about that now. But breathing is really important, the second step. So it's stop, breathe, be. Now, when we come to the scriptures, there's a fascinating thing. I've mentioned this, I'm sure, before, but I'll say it again. In Hebrew and Greek, the word ruach in Hebrew and pneuma in Greek means a multitude of things. It means spirit, it means breath, it means wind, it means air. And when we go through this whole practical guide to meditation in the sense that uh, you have to have in the back of your mind this m- multi-dimensional thing that wind, air, breath, um, um, uh, spirit are all one and part of the same thing. They're almost interchangeable. So let me read just a couple of passages, uh, a couple from Genesis, but I want to start with one from John, from the message. It says this. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. This is John chapter 4, 23 and 24 in the message. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their very breath, their true selves in adoration. John 4. 
Then let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 to begin with. First this, God created the heavens and the earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird over the watery abyss. And then further on, Genesis 2 verse 7, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now constantly bear in mind this whole thing of ruach and pneuma, spirit, breath, wind, life, air. And then from Job, As long as breath is in me, and the breath, the spirit of God is in my nostrils. He says, Job 27 verse 3. And then finally, John 20 verse 22, it says this. This is talking about Jesus. And then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. Now the reason for reading some of those, and there's many others that we could read. There's so many passages that talk about the breath, the ruach, the pneuma, the wind, the spirit, the air. But I wanted to read those to you and then to begin to say, there is a prayer known as the Yahweh prayer, Y-A-H-W-E-H. And it's known as the Tetragrammaton, the Y-H-W-H, without the vowels. And I'd never been told about this in my studies. I read this in Richard Raw's book, The Naked Now, some years ago. I was told that it meant I am who I am. You know how Moses wants to know who is this being that's talking to him from the bush. And God says, I am who I am. And that sacred name for God, for the Jews, was unutterable. It was substituted in many occasions by Adonai or Elohim. Um, the vowels were never printed in, in, in the, the written forms. They were just consonants, consonants. And you had to fill in your vowels with your eyes, with your mind. But the consonants used do not allow you to close your lips or use your tongue. So the Y-H-W-H is almost in a sense to imitate or replicate the sound of inhalation and exhalation. Yahweh. It's very uh, much like breathing. God cannot be captured in any form or word that we can control. He's not an idea. He's not a formula. It's like the very air, the breath, the spirit in the front of your mouth that comes out of your mouth, that you breathe in and breathe out. And so this great word for God, the unspeakable, is in some senses only breathable. And it's the one thing that you and I have been doing since we were born. It's the one thing that we will cease to do when we die and pass into the eternal I am. And so this the sense of spirit, air, breath, wind, is always beyond us, but always totally around us and actually in us, within us, beyond us. No one really controls it. We receive it intimately, the air we breathe, even when we sleep. And so the sense of breathing, breathing in, breathing out, 
air, breath, spirit. It can't be spoken. It can only be prayed. I mean, breathed, sorry. But, so when it comes to um, Genesis 2 and it says, God breathed into human nostrils, air, breath, spirit, life, Adam became a, a living being. Um, it's in some ways a strange truth that we don't really grasp. Prayer and this rhythm of breathing, meditation, being aware of the fact that God is in us, with us, around us constantly. And so we, we come to the place where, in a very practical sense, how do we deal with this? What do we say? So when it comes to meditation, um, it's not some sort of mystical thing um, that only monks do in monasteries. Uh, Brother Lawrence, and we'll come to him in a second, uh, 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 taught us that we, we practice the presence of God in, in every moment of every day. But how do we do it practically? And so I think it's this, that we stop, we breathe, and we be. We'll come to the be in a second, but this breathing, you can sit comfortably, it can be perhaps that you're somewhere else, but it's that you, you stop, consciously stop, and you become aware and you concentrate on your breathing. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, until you settle. Actually, this is completely uh, unrelated and, uh, com and and totally irrelevant, but there were, there were some studies done, I think it was about um, 10 years ago, um, with children and helping them to breathe. And they said that just this, the simple thing of getting children to breathe slowed them down, improved their focus, made them less depressed, more self-controlled, more kind, better in their scores with maths and stuff. And there were fewer symptoms even of ADHD. Now, who would have thought? If you just slow children long enough to help them to focus on their breathing, it slows everything down, not just their movement, but their whole very being slows down. And when we breathe and focus on our breathing, we slow down, we, we become aware of the in-out movement of our breath, the breath of life. So we breathe in life, we breathe out, we exhale all the fumes, all the stuff that we don't need. Now, when it comes to meditation as being, being, so stop, breathe, be. We learn to become present. We learn to become attentive. Present means that we begin right where we are with being present to our body, the sense of breathing in and out. What's going on in your body? Are you sitting? Are you comfortable? Are your feet hurting? Um, what is the noise outside? You just become conscious of being present in that moment. And so we are conscious of our bodies, our uh, breathing, our thoughts, and we become attentive to what's actually going on around us, open to that particular moment. And it's important for this reason. There are so many more um, sources, currents, um, mysteries that we cannot grasp with our minds, 
we cannot fathom with our rational ability. We, particularly in, in modern Western culture, we want to be able to work it all out and be logical. But there, there, there is the stuff of life that is just not accessible in that way. And when we stop and breathe and become consciously aware of the moment, present in every sense of what that word means, we open ourselves up to experience God and um, to be woken up in a sense, to become aware of actually what's going on. Now, you can't work this out. You can't make it happen. You can't learn it. You have to, it's a, in a way, you're placing yourself in a position it's like that illustration I gave you some years ago of the sailboat. You're rigging everything, but it's only as the wind blows that the yacht begins to move forward. You can't make it happen. And meditation is very much like that. You stop, you breathe, you are present. And then there is the possibility of experiencing something deep and from God that is beyond. It, it happens within our very beings. And you have to receive it. You, you must receive it. You can't, you can't make it happen. So we stop, we breathe, we are being with God in that sense. We become aware of our surroundings. We're fully present in that moment uh, to ourself, to others, to situations, to God, what's going on in your thoughts, your feelings. You become alert in that sense to the Spirit of God. And that's a kind of another thing we can look at at some other time, but that's perhaps about discernment. Then when we have stopped and we have spent time breathing and just focusing on that and become aware of where we are, we are able to guide our thoughts to that which is more positive, into a constructive direction. Now in our group on Wednesday uh, recently, uh, we looked at a, a couple of things, but just how much do we focus our minds on the things that are positive? So Paul says to the Philippian church in chapter 4, the Lord is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. So with meditation, as we've come to the place of stopping, breathing, being, we now focus on those things that are uh, true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, anything that is excellent and praiseworthy, we think about those things. That's where our prayer moves. That's how it looks. Uh, I like the way, actually, that the message puts this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's where meditation takes us. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, 
reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best and not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Not pink elephants. You see, we are so pushed by our culture, our society, our media, in the direction of all the bad stuff. And what meditation practically does, it connects us in a very real sense, again, with the Spirit of God and with His presence as we are being in that moment. So, Brother Lawrence, a lay Carmelite, lived between 1611 and 1691, uh, and famously now uh, uh, was practicing the presence of God while washing the dishes. But what he taught us was that in all these moments, it doesn't matter where you are, what you are doing, this is what you, you, you don't have to find a way somewhere where it's totally silent and everything. Meditation is simply this. It is stopping. It is breathing and being conscious of your breathing. The whole thing of spirit, breath, wind, air, and being in the presence of God, being present with this moment that you're in. And so, um, whether it's washing the dishes, uh, whether it's driving the car, whether it's in the bathroom, uh, waiting in line somewhere, doesn't matter. We can grab these moments and these times to stop, to meditate, to breathe and think and pray. Let me end with just a passage that I have found um, quite exciting as far as meditation is concerned. Maybe not the one that you would think of immediately, but it's Ezekiel 37. And it's about the breath of God and God grabbing Ezekiel and uh, in the spirit he takes him down to an open plain that's got bones all over it. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? And he says, well, I don't know. Only you know that sort of thing. And he says, speak to them, prophesy to these bones. And so God the Master, it says here in the message, told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews and put meat on your bones, cover you with skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. And so Ezekiel says, I prophesied. And there was a sound of rustling. And then it's all that stuff, the bones and the sinews and the muscles and the skin. And then he says, but they had no breath in them. You see, no matter how much we try, we can't manufacture this breath, this ruach, this pneuma, this spirit that God breathed into Adam. That was part of Job's sense of being alive, that Jesus breathed into the disciples. And so he says to Ezekiel, Prophesy to the breath, son of man. Tell the breath. God the master says, come from the four winds. Come, breath. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. And for me, meditation is exactly that. It's that we stop. And we open our hearts and our lives. And we breathe in the spirit of God. And we say, Lord, with all the dry bones, the things that are dead, breathe life into us, bone on bone, sinew on sinew, muscle and skin. And then your breath, you breathe into us and we experience your life. Come breath, breathe on these slain bodies, breathe life.
So a very practical guide to meditation. Stop, breathe, be. Be present, be aware, be available to God. See you on Sunday.